Welcome to the Stickers on the Mic podcast brought to you by StickerGiant.com, where we talk with our customers about how they started their business, how they're marketing their brand, and how they're growing their company. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for your continued support. As a bonus for all of our listeners who want to try us out, head over to StickerGiant.com and use the coupon PODCAST to take 20% off your first item. Without further ado, it's time for the Stickers on the Mic podcast from Sticker Giant. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to Stickers on the Mic, a podcast hosted by Sticker Giant, talking all things business and marketing with local to you businesses. I'm today's host, Allison, and I'm our content strategist on the marketing team here at Sticker Giant. You might recognize me in no way, shape, or form from the person who writes all of our captions on social media. Hello. <laughs> uh, today, we are talking with Damon from the Access Gallery in Denver, Colorado. Hello, Damon. Thank you for joining Hello. us. Hello. How are you? Hey. I'm great. How are you today? We're doing good. It's Friday morning. Yeah, there's nothing to hate. A weekend right. is arriving. Yeah, the sun's back out. <laughs> yeah. So for those listening, we had a real funky week of weather in Colorado, and we're coming back to regular fall programming after a little snow. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's nice to come back. So uh, let's jump right in. What is the Access Gallery, and how did you get your start? Um, Access Gallery is a nonprofit social enterprise. We work with young people with disabilities to increase economic opportunities through the arts. So we're a full-blown retail gallery. We have a store. We operate an ongoing studio program, and we make art out of just about everything um, imaginable. Awesome. I love that. And what a cool concept. Um, How do artists get started in the gallery? Most of our artists come to us through uh, public school systems. Most of our artists are um, in what's known as a transition program. So they're not going the traditional graduation college route there. A lot of our artists have intellectual or developmental challenges or they're on the autism spectrum. Um, So they're, they're not your traditional students. So a lot of times a teacher or a paraprofessional will see uh, the creative spark, or they'll see that this particular young person has very um, strong interest in arts or creativity, and they'll refer them to us. They sometimes come to us for a summer job readiness program, and then some of them just never leave. So we, we, we're, we're not one of these programs that says, you know, after eight weeks, you have to move on. We've had some of our artists working with us for more than 10 years now. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. So... Do you have, you'd say that's kind of all different age groups than going across the spectrum, especially as folks kind of don't leave the program? Yeah, well, we really were, what happened is a few years ago, we were working in our job readiness program. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but people with disabilities are unemployed at a rate of nearly 70% in this country. So we were doing a job readiness program, getting our, our artists ready for more traditional jobs, and they still weren't getting hired. We were you know, doing all of the things beyond time, dress appropriately, make eye contact, work on this, working on even how to get people from point A to point B. So we were doing some bus training and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we realized they still weren't getting jobs. And we realized pretty quickly that the biggest challenge facing almost all of our artists wasn't the fact that they didn't have, or, or the, it wasn't the fact that they had a disability, it was the fact that they were poor. 
And I got mm-hmm. frustrated one day because one of our students got a job pushing carts at Walmart and I knew he was much more capable of doing something other than pushing carts at Walmart and he was going to get laid off after the holidays. So we decided to change everything about the organization, turned everything on its head. And instead of focusing on making employees for other people, we started focusing on making jobs for some of these young artists. And we realized that that was a much better approach for us. And so most of our artists are probably in their um, early 20s to maybe mid 30s. We're, we're, we do work at other ends. We've done work in preschools. We've done work in the schools. Well, we're not doing anything in the schools this year, um, but we've also done work in nursing homes. But our, our core group, our, our real main program is sort of that 20 to maybe 35 year old. That's incredible. Wow. And what a total reframe for a business to say, wait a second, something's not working here. Right. Yeah. And be able to pivot really quickly. That's awesome. Yeah. We realized so, we were trying to solve the wrong problem. You know, we're not right. going to take, yeah, we, we were just solving the wrong problem. So we, we shifted, we, we added economic opportunity to our mission statement and really changed the way that we operate. And, and it's been um, interesting yeah. for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> so when did that pivot happen? Um, about 2015. Yeah. 2014, okay. 2015, we realized, um, we were also challenging the idea of how art was made. You know, we are a fine art gallery. We do make art mostly leaning towards the contemporary side of things. We have a lot of what I would consider outsider artists, but we were realizing that if the businesses wouldn't hire our artists, then maybe we could make art for the businesses and we hire the artists. So Mm. we started making big sort of Mark Bradford inspired pieces where a company would give us their collateral material, their letterhead, their brochures, um, just sort of the paper that's laying around. And then we turn it into big contemporary pieces of art. And what we were doing is we were hiring our artists to work with a professional artist to make these big contemporary pieces of art out of a company's collateral material. And so we started challenging the idea of, of how art is made because most people think that art is created sort of by that starving artist in their attic with, you know, um, the, the candle. And that's really not how we were doing. We were doing it collaboratively. So five or six people would be working on the same piece at the same time. And it was a much more collaborative. And we realized that for our, our artists, that was really important. That community, that sense of being together, of being with your friends, making something was really, really important. And um, we do a lot of collaborative art making. I love that. That is very cool. And a great approach to take to something to flip it on its head in multiple ways to say, we're going to change who's making the art. We're going to change how the art is being made. And who's paying the people to make it. Yeah. So if you're not going to hire my artist, I'll hire them and we'll still get the money from you. So that was was a little subversive on our part, but, but it's worked out. You know, we're, we're pretty upfront about what, how we're doing things. Yeah. One people are getting art that they asked for, which is really cool. Right. And it, it, it's another way to tell their story. Uh, we, we did a, a piece of art for um, an architecture firm here in Denver, Ginsler, and they're, they're a big architecture firm. They were moving into a new space and they gave us just this box of materials and we found some handwritten notes that became part of the artwork, handwritten notes on this project or that project. And it was really interesting because people will go look to see if any of their sticky notes made it into the, the final piece. So it's, it's a way for the companies to tell their story and it's a way for us to further our mission. So it really is a win-win. That's awesome. 
So here's kind of a bigger question, and you might have answered it when you talked about the pivot, but what's one thing you wish you had known when Access Gallery was getting off the ground? Um, I honestly, I wish we would have focused on the economic opportunity, opportunity piece sooner. I mean, the, the, the 70%, <clears throat> oh, I'm so sorry. The 70% unemployment rate is not new. I mean, I've been, I've been with the organization for more than 20 years. We've been using that same statistic for a long time. We just were focused. We're like, oh no, we're an arts organization. That's what we do. We were doing an education organization. That's just what we do. And I wish we would have really zeroed in on that aspect of it a little bit sooner, but um, maybe we did it when we were supposed to. So um, we, we really did, we used to really do most of our work in the schools. And I realized there's a lot of organizations in the schools. Mm -hmm. So we were finding that where people were dropping off the face of the earth is, um, or falling through the cracks of the social service systems is when they were leaving high school. So they'd leave high school, they'd leave a supportive high school environment where they have teachers and friends and community to all of a sudden now they're going home. They're staying home all, all day. There's not a lot of jobs on the horizon for a lot of our artists. So we, we realized that this is a place where a lot of young people were falling through the cracks. That's where we could make a difference. So um, I wish we had come to that sooner, but when we came to it, we, we went all in. Yeah. So you had mentioned social enterprise in mm -hmm. your, in your mission statement and how you function. Can you explain a little bit more about what that means to you? Oh, sure. Um, well, a typical nonprofit will rely on grants or donations or um, different ways to raise money. Um, what we do is we sell art and then we roll it back into um, the, the business or, or the um, really to the clients. So when a piece of art is sold through Access Gallery, 70% of the sale goes right back to the artist. So that's mm -hmm. one way that we help them. <clears throat> we don't have enough work or it's not consistent enough work sometimes to just put them on a payroll or an hourly. So when we sell a piece of art, we roll that back in. If we sell one of the big corporate pieces of commission, then we've hired these people on a contract basis. So the social enterprise part is we're making, um, we're making artwork that we're selling to support not only the organization, but the very people we're, we're working with and serving. And, um, that's the social enterprise model. So before COVID about, um, we went from about 10% of our overall revenue being based in, um, sales to last year, I think it was a little over a third. So we, oh, we wow. really increased and for a nonprofit to have a third of their revenue coming from, program revenue is really, really good for us. So. Yeah. It's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. And then COVID yeah. hit and everything kind yeah. of sideways. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Yes. What is a common myth about the work that's happening at the Access Gallery and I mean, specifically around disabled and differently abled people that you'd like to debunk that you would like to share with people to say, Hey, actually, I, I think, you know, just the most basic thing is this idea that people with disabilities can't do things for themselves. Um, and what better way than through the arts or through creative outlets to, to prove that, that wrong. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like I've really done my job when somebody comes into the gallery, they look around at the art, they're inspired by the art, and then they realize 
after they'd been there for a while, that it was made by somebody who might be on the autism spectrum or who may have a developmental disability. And they say, oh, I had no idea this was a gallery for people with disabilities. Um, mm -hmm. Because the art, the creativity, we're all creative. We're all extremely creative. And if we can just make the adaptations and, and do the... Um, yeah, do the adaptations or, or work with somebody where they are to get them to where they want to be. Sometimes it just may take a little bit longer. Or we may have to go down a slightly different route, but I believe everyone's incredibly creative. We just need to give people the freedom and the opportunity. And, and for me, what's really, really important is art and creativity don't have to be competitive. We don't have mm -hmm. to be competing with each other. We can find what's interesting to we're working with one young man right now. All he wants to do is draw monsters and, and He's, he's, you know, a 22 year old young man. Monsters are still very important to him. So we're figuring out a way to have his monsters become like a card game, like Uno or you know, a simple war game. So he can still do what he's passionate about, um, but we're making it a more marketable or sellable product. I love that. Uh, my my mother was a special education art instructor all of oh, her okay. life, and so yeah. and I have uh, two differently abled siblings, and so mm -hmm. I love hearing that. And it's very it's very accurate. Everybody just needs to be met where they are, and then yeah. you join them on their journey, which would be a truth for any artist, right? Uh, for any person, I mean, yeah. really, yeah, anyone, in any you know. I, I think the other thing that's really interesting to me is how many of our artists are just open to try new things and adapt to things because they've kind of had to their whole life and how many people who are quote unquote you know neurotypical or, or not disabled are so reluctant to try something new it's um mm. you know there's something in that adaptation that i see every day that's very it's very interesting and very cool we we i'd love to see an artist try something new and embrace it we had a another young woman nicole and nicole's I think Nicole's 27, 28. She's been with us for 10 years and her passion is dragons and dinosaurs. Mm. Early in the pandemic, everybody was on Zoom calls and we're all seeing the little squares of people on Zoom calls. And I, I challenged her to make a, a painting for um, dragons and dinosaurs on a Zoom call. And normally she doesn't mix the dragons and the dinosaurs, but this, this particular painting of a Zoom call had dragons and dinosaurs talking to each other. So I thought that was kind of cool. Oh. That's perfect. And like perfect for the times, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice would you give to someone who's looking to start a small business that's focused on inclusion for disabled folks? <clears throat> um, really, I think just go for it. Be real clear about what you want to do. I, I think... Um, you know, I, I look at a lot of what we do through clearly the nonprofit lens because that's where we've been for so long. But be real clear. Okay, what what particular group might we be working with? Because if you think of in terms of the entire disability community, you, know, you have some people, somebody who might be blind has very different needs than somebody who might be on the autism spectrum who may have very different needs than somebody who's um, utilizing a wheelchair. So my, my philosophy, my belief is meet people where they are, regardless of who they are, what they're doing, and then see where, where, what you might need to do to make that person successful. Mm -hmm. I mentioned the 70% unemployment rate. If you happen to be blind or on the autism spectrum, the percentage is closer to 90%. Mm -hmm. But if the pandemic has shown us anything, it's most people, a lot of people can work from home. A lot of people, you know, um, we have one young man that we've worked with off and on over the years. He is blind. 
And so transportation is always a challenge for him to get to a job. He doesn't need a computer screen. He just needs, you know, he needs a computer that can talk to him. And so we, we, we're, we're making progress in that area. But there's, we're in 2020. There's nothing that we can't figure out if we just take the time to focus on what the individual needs rather than what maybe the organization needs, mm. if that makes sense. It makes complete sense, right? That's, <laughs> that is the definition of meeting someone where they are, is recognizing yes. that everybody's somewhere different. So right. focusing on those individual needs is okay. Yes. yes. Well, and it's, it's also in the, the overall realm of things, we've, we've gone full circle around um, accessibility. For a long time, accessibility was only about the physical parts mm -hmm. of a building, the ramps, the bathroom, the parking, yada, 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 which, you know, a ramp for, for somebody who's not in a wheelchair is nice, but it's not, maybe not necessary. But if we can really take a step back and say, okay, what does this person need? What does this person need to come to our facility and be successful? And then we, we take the time to really make that happen. I think we can break down a lot of barriers. I, I, I believe that right now, that's the biggest challenge that we face with in the disability community is this employment issue. Because if people aren't employed, they're not seen. And if they're not seen, then they're not part of, they're not seen as part of the community. And that's, so everything we do is about trying to break down that barrier and get awesome. money in the pockets. Yeah. And then post COVID, um, mm -hmm. are the artists around you do, it looks like you do first Friday. Um, are the artists around when uh, folks come through the gallery? Yeah, well, actually, pre-COVID, the artists were around when we did First yeah. Friday. First Fridays are right now on pause. Um, yeah. And what we were doing is also using the First Fridays as a way to encourage people to engage with somebody that they may not know in a safe environment. So Nicole, the young lady who does the dragon, she's her best advocate. She's her best salesperson. Um, you know, we're, we're working with her on realizing that there's other artists in the gallery that, that might have artwork for sale, and, and that's okay. Um, right now, all of the the first Fridays have been put on hold <clears throat> because of COVID, and it's um, we're trying to figure out what this might look like afterwards. We were able to mount, we've done, I think, three online shows since COVID hit, and we're getting ready for our annual fundraising event in October. It's called 99 Pieces of Art on the Wall, and we're actually going to put the art on the wall, even though it'd be very limited viewing. So, um, yeah, pivot is a big, a big thing for us. Yeah, that's awesome. For those listening, First Friday is a very large <coughs> art walk that takes mm -hmm. place in Denver, and a lot of communities have uh, taken that on. But yes. uh, the First Friday art walk on Santa Fe is just ubiquitous with the town, oh, and it's crazy. yeah, it's yeah. very fun. Yeah, we were we were getting a thousand to fifteen hundred people on a First Friday walking into our space alone. It was, wow. um, yeah, it was pretty impressive. And now we, I think last week, other than we, we are bringing some of the artists back in for limited studio time, but I think we had two outside visitors last week. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's a very different world right now. Yeah. Huge change. Um, so I'd love to ask you just to wrap in stickers. Cause I love sure. talking stickers. Uh, about the incorporated sticker art that you've made at Access Gallery. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? Yeah. Um, during our pivot to the social enterprise model where we were trying to figure out how to make um, artwork collaboratively that can sell, I had this, um, I sort of a backstory, I was at the Denver Art Museum one day for a meeting 
and I was leaving and my friend who runs the accessibility programs there saw me and she goes, we have a lecturer from a, a artist from Tibet and there's nobody in there. There was like two people in there for this guy and he's from Tibet. She said, do you have time to go listen to this artist? I'm like, sure, I'll go listen to him. And his name is Gankyar Gyatso. So that, that's a name that you just don't forget. And what he is, <laughs> is, is um, he was using stickers to make art. And I was just very inspired by that. And I thought that kind of just stuck with me. It was in the back. He was using little, like, just little stickers that you can buy for kids. And mm -hmm. if you go into schools like I do, I go into a lot of schools, you'll see the, the board. In every second grade classroom, there's a board with the stickies, the smiley face stickies. I thought, wow, maybe we should make some artwork inspired by Gankyar Gyatso. And the very first piece we did, we went and bought 10,000 smiley face stickers, the little half-inch smiley face stickers. And we had adults with developmental disabilities who very often couldn't hold paintbrushes, pencils, or pens. And they were literally just making a big, we made a big 48 by 48 inch smiley face and we just filled it with little smiley face stickers. Wow. And one of our volunteers, Andy Brizak, was there working with us and he knew someone who knew someone who knew someone at sticker giant. Then all of a sudden you guys are sending us your, your, your overruns or your, your, the ones that didn't quite turn out right. And we started cutting them up and making collages and we started very simply. Now we're making full blown portraits of people. We did a portrait mm. of Martin Luther King. We did one of Helen Keller. We did one of Kaylin Hefner. Hefner. She was running for mayor. She's a young woman who, is a wheelchair user. She's the lead singer of um, wheelchair sports wheelchair camp here in Denver. Um, and so we really, really realized, again, that's a way that we can make our collaboratively that has a very, very different feel. And um, so Sticker Giant, every once in a while, we just get a, a few boxes of stickers. Now we're, we're um, I think we've probably made 20 or 30 pieces. We did an entire gallery show out of artwork made from um, stickers. We called it Stick 'em Up Chuck. And um, um, now, you know, I really hadn't thought about the portrait work, but now some of the portrait stuff that we're doing, we were working with an elementary school and they had, the elementary students had picked seven heroes and one of the heroes was Helen Keller. And so we were working with these students. We would take some of our artists over to the elementary school and we were working on these portraits that are eventually gonna be in the lobby of the school and then COVID hit and we had like Helen Keller was done Martin Luther King was done and nobody else was done so mm. we can't do that collaboratively so we started sending some of those pieces home with people and now I think we have five of them completely done and eventually the other two will be done if we can never get back into the school so awesome. <clears throat> so we can make artwork out of just about anything yeah, which is very cool and how yes. artwork should be right exactly exactly <laughs> there should be you know, um, one of the other things that, that we talk about a lot is uh, a lot of people are very intimidated by the idea of drawing, you know, mm -hmm. but nobody's intimidated by sitting down and doing just making stuff out of stickers. I mean, it's um, it really is cool. So it's a mm -hmm. medium that I think we're just beginning to explore. Yeah. yeah it's not, and talk yeah. about accessible. Yeah, exactly. Right? There exactly. And, and actually, there's another uh, project that we were part of. We do some work in the... Um, Alzheimer's and dementia um, realm. We've done some work. And I was at MoMA for a training many, many, many years ago. And one of the activities was you just sit down with somebody and you take turns putting these big fluorescent round stickers, you know, the, the like the inventory tags. 
You mm -hmm. sit down and you take turns putting stickers on the paper. And at the end, you have an abstract piece of art, but it's that idea of connecting with somebody that you may not be able to have a conversation with. And that whole thing led us into a few years ago, we were teaching people with Alzheimer's and dementia how to do graffiti because it's a very mm -hmm. immediate art form. It's a very, oh, there's no right or wrong. If you make a mistake, you just cover it up. And what we were finding is, and this isn't backed by science, we have not done research on this, but what we were finding sometimes is when the people with Alzheimer's or dementia were actively engaged in creating something that was immediate, um, sometimes you would see that little glimpse of who they were in the past. They, they might, mm. it, it was really just uh, an amazing, an amazing thing. So we had a, a yeah. whole project set up and then again, COVID hit. We were ready to go do a class over at um, one of our, our uh, one of the assisted living centers that we've worked with. But mm. We'll get back to it. We'll, we'll get the we'll grannies get back out. to it. Yeah we'll, yeah, we'll get the grannies out doing the graffiti again pretty soon. <laughs> That's all we can ask for, really. Yeah, exactly. Well, what more do you need? Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else you wanted to share? No, I just really do want to thank Sticker Giant. It was um, when we did the, the smiley face piece, we had bought all these little tiny stickers and they were great, but they were so small that sometimes that mm. was creating a challenge. And then when Sticker Giant showed up, they were just phenomenal. We have just boxes and boxes and we just cut things up and we look for color. So it's it's a great educational tool. Um, they've hosted us for a couple of field trips. So yeah, I just want to, and I am not a paid endorser of Sticker Giant. <laughs> it really is nice to, you know, because otherwise I think some of these stickers would probably end up, I, I don't know if they get recycled or if they, what happens to them, but I know we're we're putting them to very good use. So thank you so much. Well, I am a paid endorser of Sticker Giant, oh, well, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're all about it. And we'd, we'd you know, I, I'd love to maybe um, talk offline about doing another uh, big piece for you guys. We were, I, I just keep thinking about where we can go with it. Because clearly we have a lot of time to think right now. Well, and the good news is that hopefully listeners are thinking to themselves, oh, I could use this. Oh, which absolutely. Is, yeah, you know, yeah. really cool. Yeah, we so, can make something out of your collateral material or your sticker. I mean, we can, um, they really are some, um, they're some interesting pieces. So if you're interested, okay. just, just go to access gallery, send us a access gallery.org, send us a, an email and we can send you some images. I love that. That's exactly what I was going to say. So for everybody listening, thank you for tuning in and Damon, thank you for taking oh. the time to share with us about access gallery. And again, for those looking for more information about Access Gallery, if you want to look to partner with them yourselves uh, or you want to come check out the space uh, or check it out online, you can go to accessgallery.org to learn more about the organization, check out cool art, do all the things on their very cool website. Uh, that wraps up another episode of Stickers on the Mic. Thank you, Damon, for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. Uh, wash your hands, let's stick together, stay safe, and uh, thank you so much. That wraps up this episode of Stickers on the Mic, brought to you by StickerGiant.com. You can download us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcatcher. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please leave us a review. It helps us reach new listeners and share our customers' sticker stories. And if you're inspired to create your own stickers or labels, head over to StickerGiant.com to check out our options and use the coupon PODCAST to take 20% of your first item. Thanks again for listening to Stickers on the Mic.